the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God will not force us to love Him or obey Him or walk in His ways. He, he desires to have a relationship with you and with me. Uh, he desires to spend eternity with you and with me. That's why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was buried and resurrected to provide forgiveness and salvation to us so that we can have a relationship with him and have eternal life with him. But God doesn't force us to accept him. Chances are you've heard it said that unless there's a choice, it isn't love. If we were to somehow have control over someone's emotions towards us, it'd be more like having a relationship with a robot. Thankfully for us, God absolutely respects our choice. In today's message, Pastor Dan reflects on the free will nature that God designed us with and how He desires that we choose to love Him. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding that God wants nothing more for us than to love Him, seek His will, and follow His ways by choice. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 1 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable, knowing that you cannot find alone. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear the sound. Then verse 6 says, And she conceived again and bore a daughter. Notice it does not say she bore him a daughter. This daughter was not Hosea's daughter, but the result of his wife's promiscuity. Hosea is not the father. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And then God said to Hosea, call her name Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Lo Ruhama means no mercy. God will no longer show mercy to his wife Israel. He will take them away for their unfaithfulness to him. Now, can you imagine Hosea, you know, calling his children with these names? God will scatter. No more mercy. No more mercy. It's time for dinner. Come on in. Kind of thing. And people ask him, why'd you name your daughter that? Well, let me tell you what the Lord has said. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah. So that's the southern kingdom. And will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by the bow. They're, they're not going to be saved by their military strength, nor by the sword or battle or by horsemen. Uh, or horses. I'm not going to use their military strength. They're not going to use their military strength to deliver themselves. But God says, I will save them. I will deliver them. Now, after the Assyrian army conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 722, they invaded the southern kingdom of Judah. 
and they go into Judah. And what the Assyrians would do is they would isolate the capital city of a country they invaded. The way they would do that is they would go and destroy all the other major cities in a kingdom, in a nation, and just leave the capital city for last. So that the capital city had no other city that was going to come help them because all the other cities have been conquered. And that's exactly what they did. They go into the southern kingdom of Judah. They conquer all the cities. And then they come to the city of Jerusalem, the capital city. It's the only city left. It's isolated now. And they surround the city. And you know the story. The Assyrian army surrounds the city. And 2 Kings chapter 19 tells us that an angel of the Lord went out into the camp of the Assyrians while they slept and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Which, by the way, there's, there's uh, historical documents outside the Bible that, that speak of the same event. 185,000 soldiers are killed in one night. The people of uh, Judah that are in the city, they wake up the next morning All the Assyrian army is dead around the city. God miraculously delivered Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah, just as he said he would in verse 7. Then it tells us in verse 8, Now when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Again, we see it doesn't say she bore him a son. This child did not belong to Hosea either. It was the product of her harlotry. Hosea is not the father. Verse 9. Then God said, call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Lo-Ami means not my people. And as I said, the baby was not Hosea's baby. He's not the father. But here the Lord says, I want you to name this son Lo-Ami, not my people. And the idea is because... I am not your God, or since I am not your God, you are not my people. It's not that he is forsaking them and say, that's it, you're not my people anymore. It's the other way around. The people have forsaken him. And he's saying here, since I'm not your God, well, then you're not my people. Which reminds us here that, you know, God will not force us to love him or obey him, or walk in his ways. He, he desires to have a relationship with you and with me. Uh, he desires to spend eternity with you and with me. That's why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was buried and resurrected, to provide forgiveness and salvation to us so that we can have a relationship with him and have eternal life with him. But God doesn't force us to accept him or walk in his ways against our will. You know, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Jesus knocks patiently at the door and he waits for us to open the door and invite him into our lives. But Jesus doesn't kick the door in. He doesn't say, I'm coming in whether you want me in or not. I'm in. He patiently waits for the invitation to receive him as Lord and Savior. And he gives us the choice to receive him and walk with him, honor him, obey him, live for him, make him preeminent in our lives, or not. And, and here God says, essentially, 
All right, you don't want me to be your God? Which you've demonstrated by your continual unfaithfulness to me? It's obvious. And, and so then, you're not going to be my people. But listen, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story between God and Israel. That's not like the end of the marriage, so to speak. Look at verse 10. Yet, this is the Lord speaking. Yet, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. That's part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There it shall be said to them, you are sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel, both the northern and southern kingdom, shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. God speaks prophetically here of a future day. He's looking ahead, really, to the kingdom age, the thousand-year reign of Christ, when Jesus Christ comes back and he reigns on the earth from Jerusalem as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when the promises made to Abraham and the covenant made with Abraham will be fulfilled and the children of Israel will be as numerous as the sands of the sea and Israel will be called the sons of the living God and the nation will no longer be divided in a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom but they will be gathered together again as one nation and they will have one head ruling over them, their Messiah, Jesus Christ. I love this. The Lord is looking ahead. Yeah, yeah, right now you're being unfaithful to me. You don't want me as your God and so you're not my people. That's kind of where we are right now. But there's going to be a day, right? What does the Bible say in Philippians chapter 1? He who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So there's going to be days, as you know, where you really blow it. (laughs) But it's not the end of the story. There's going to be a day where you'll stand before Jesus Christ and he'll present you wholly blameless and above reproach in his sight. And he'll say, well done. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Right? And, and that's, that's kind of what he says here with, with Israel. Right, yeah, right now things are bad between us. <laughs> things aren't good. But one day, one day, let me tell you, you're, you're going to be as, as numerous as the sand on the sea. You'll no longer be, be called not my people. You'll be called the sons of the living God. You, you won't be divided anymore. There won't be this civil war and this fighting between brothers. You'll be gathered together. You'll be one and you'll have one head over you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, what a great day that'll be in Jezreel. When that day comes. And So now that brings us to chapter 2. Verse 1, say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is shown. This is still him talking about the kingdom age. Then, instead of saying no mercy to you anymore, mercy will be shown to you. Now, verse 2, Hosea 
In verse 2, Hosea asks his son Jezreel to plead with his mother to repent of her sins and return to her husband, Jehovah, or Hosea. You know, when we sin, you know, when we backslide, the Holy Spirit pleads with us, right? And the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit uh, pleads with us to repent and turn back to Jesus Christ and confess our sins and have our relationship restored with him. And so he says here to his son, bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness. Notice this. And set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. He warns Israel that she will face judgment if she doesn't repent of her sins. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. And notice in verse 3 that he says he will expose her. You know, God is very patient with us. He's long-suffering. But sometimes he exposes us for our sins if we don't repent. And sometimes it's very public. Everybody finds out about it. And he warns them, I'm going to expose you here. If you don't repent. And then he says, then he says uh, that, that the Israel, that the judgment upon Israel will be like a wilderness, like dry land where she will die of, of thirst. You know, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. It, it's, it's enjoyable for a period of time, for a season. But then that season ends and sin eventually leaves us empty and unsatisfied and dry spiritually that's that's just that's just the consequence of sin that's where it it leads to that's what he's saying here if you don't repent if you don't turn back you don't start being faithful this is what's going to happen to you you know jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19 if you're taking notes you might want to drop that drop that verse down it tells us a very very important truth about sin If we don't repent, if we don't listen to God and don't repent of our sin. Listen to what it says. You don't have to turn there. But Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19 says, listen, your own wickedness will correct you. And your backsliding will rebuke you. He says that to Israel. Your own wickedness will correct you. And your backsliding will rebuke you. Israel, what he's saying to Israel is Israel will have to be taught by their sin the lesson they would not learn from God's word. 
God told them what would happen and they wouldn't listen to his word. So now they'll have to be taught by the experience of the sin. You know, when one of my sons was about four or five years old, I was, I was working on some kind of project uh, in the garage and I had some chisels uh, sitting on the bench and one of my sons, four or five years old, he comes out and I'm working there and I see him pick up one of the chisels. Why well, just sharpen those chisels? And I said to him, be very careful because those chisels are really sharp. And when I said, said that, he immediately took his thumb and ran it across the top of the chisel and sliced his thumb open and set the chisel down and quietly walked out, <laughs> hoping I didn't see what he just did. <laughs> he didn't listen to my words. And so he had to learn from experience. And in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, that's what God is saying to Israel. If you will not listen to God's word, then your own wickedness will correct you. You're going to have to learn just from the, the experience of the consequences of your sin. And that's going to be your teacher. So again, verse 4, he says, I will not have mercy on her children, for they are the children of harlotry, for their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. It was Israel's husband, the Lord, who gave her all these things and provided for her, but she, she attributes all of her provision to the different idols and the different gods that she was worshiping. And she believed all of these things came from these different gods. Uh, for example, in Israel, they, it, was a, it was an agrarian community, the, the Jezreel Valley. They farmed. One of the pagan gods they worshiped there was Baal because they believed Baal caused the rain. Not the Lord God, Yahweh, but Baal. And so they worshiped Baal. And so what did God do? He sent a drought for three years. They're worshiping Baal because they think Baal will make it rain. So the Lord God, the true and living God says, all right, I'm going to send a drought for three years. Remember with the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, and they have this big showdown. And Elijah says, uh, if, if the Lord God, Yahweh is God, worship him. But if Baal's God, worship him. And you would think after three years of a drought and the land being devastated, their farms being devastated, their crops being devastated, their economy being devastated, you, you would think the people would immediately say, well, Baal certainly isn't God. We're not going to worship him anymore. But instead, it says the people were silent. When he said, if the Lord God is God, worship him. If Baal's God, worship him. The people sat there in silence thinking about it. Everything's devastated in their nation. And they got to think about it. And here we see just they're, they're, they're attributing all of their prosperity, all of their provision, all of it to their, to their false gods. You know, 1 Corinthians 4 says to us, what do you have that you did not receive from the Lord? Everything that we have comes from the Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? He provides for us. Now watch what the Lord says in verse 6. I love verse 6. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's 
frustrating. And God makes it that way. Do you know that? God makes it that way. He, he, he puts a hedge of thorns around a backside, backsliding believer so they can't find their path. He makes it difficult to leave. He makes it where nothing works out the way you want it to work out when you're backsliding. You think it's going to be so much better. And you're miserable because nothing's working. He does that on purpose. You know, Job chapter 3, it talks about God's hedge of protection around us that, that protects us from the attacks of the enemy, of uh, attacks from Satan and from uh, demonic forces. That hedge in Job chapter 3, it keeps the enemy out. But listen, that hedge, it also keeps us in. <laughs> it keeps us in. It keeps us from leaving the Lord. It keeps us from going astray. Because we're all prone to wander. And all we like sheep go astray. We all turn to our own way, every one of us. But God in his love and his mercy and his kindness towards us, he, he, he puts a hedge around us to, to keep us in the fold. He makes it difficult for us to go. Difficult for us to leave him. So that we stay close to him, the good shepherd. You know, Jude 24 says the Lord is able to keep us from stumbling. He's able to keep us from stumbling. He's got this hedge around us. Keeps us in. Keeps the enemy out. Keeps us in. He says in verse 7, speaking of Israel, but also Hosea's wife, Gomer, she will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. You hear the frustration in her sin. Then, at some point, then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. Israel will go after her lovers, after her other gods, and her efforts will be frustrated and come to nothing. And eventually she will come to the end of herself, just like the prodigal son in the Gospels. Where the prodigal son came to the end of himself as he is he's, he's serving pig slop to pigs. And wishing that he could eat the pig slop. He was so hungry. And he realized, you know what? Servants in my father's house live better than I'm living here serving these pigs. I'm just going to go home and ask my dad if I can be a servant in his house. And he returns to his father's house. Israel will come to the end of herself and say, I will return to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. You know, we can always come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he always takes us back every time. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how far we, we go from him or how long we're gone. We can always repent of our sins and turn back to him. And confess our sins and he'll, he'll be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and receive us back. There's no sin that he can't forgive. There's no, there's no time limit. There's no statue of limitations. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say, well, uh, you know, you've been gone for over a year uh, and you can't come back now. Your time's expired. Doesn't matter. No matter how long we were gone or wherever we wander to, he'll always take us back. And his blood always cleanses us of our sin. He asked me how I know and I said, 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, and he has more to share with you next time. As you'll learn throughout this book, Hosea was no stranger to the cycle of repentance, redemption, and restoration. In his own family, there was much forgiveness and restoration that was needed. God allowed this to be the case in order to show the nation of Israel what this looked like in a personal way. Even today, God never wants you to stray from Him. But if that does happen, His deepest desire is for you to come back to Him with a repentant heart. Are you currently clinging to God as your lifeline, or are you at a distance questioning Him? If anything about today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected yet with a local church, we encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your faith. In fact, if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you'd like more details, visit calvaryec.com. On our next edition, Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Hosea, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.